Welcome back to Earth Kingdom Prairie Home Companion, a podcast where two nerds and a newbie watched Avatar The Last Airbender and talked about all of their thoughts, feelings, and opinions. I'm Kelly. I'm Mike. And I'm JJ. And we are here after a very long absence um, to wrap up our thoughts on the Avatar The Last Airbender series and to talk about the movie and to talk about what's next for our podcast, which uh, is Korra. The Legend of Korra. The Legend of Korra. As of this recording, there has been news about a live ad- live action adaptation of Avatar The Last Airbender that's coming. Yeah. Yes. So possibly in the future we may be doing that as well. It's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. You know, like five years from now on our right. current timeline. <laughs> I mean, when was the last episode uploaded? I don't even know. It was last summer. So it, Yeah, it was it, a year ago. It was like a truly a year ago. And, um, you know, all I can say is that the world is burning. <laughs> it does seem yeah. to be on fire more every day. And that's when the Fire Nation attacked you guys. <laughs> it's true. It's true. The Fire Nation has attacked me in my heart and in our country. And, yeah, and in the world. I don't know. But so we all individually and as a group uh, were overwhelmed let's say um by politics but also our personal lives and all kinds of various things uh, that have been going on and so it has taken a very long time for us to coordinate schedules in order to reunite to carry on this beloved project uh but we're all really excited to be back here and doing the thing yeah that's true Doing the thing. So, Kelly, since you were the former newbie of this podcast, uh, what are your final thoughts about the show? I am so glad that the two of you harassed me into watching this television (laughs) show. Yeah. (laughs) For basically forcing me against my will to watch a television show that I had absolutely no interest in watching. Um, I love it very much. I'm very, very glad that I watched it. I have not gone back and watched the whole thing through since uh, we recorded, but I have gone back and watched select episodes. Um, Mm. Here and there, when I've been in the mood for something, I've gone back and watched them. Um, Which ones in particular? I actually have episodes I rewatch out of sequence as well, periodically. Yeah. Well, there was a time when I went through and I watched all the really um, Katara-heavy episodes because I was trying to, like, figure out, like, okay, but am I really that much like Katara or not? Um, And the results were inconclusive. (laughs) Of course. More testing is necessary. Um... So I watched those. I went back and watched The Beach, um, which was a lot of fun because I don't know if anyone remembers, but I was kind of the outlier on that episode. I didn't enjoy it as much as JJ and Mike did, and the reasons why I didn't enjoy it were also contentious at the time, um, A lot, mostly centering on Azula's storyline. I didn't really buy that she would behave the way that she behaves in that episode. Um, So I watched that one again, and that was really interesting. Um, And I didn't totally reverse my opinion, but it softened significantly. I I don't feel as strongly as I did before. And with the coming to it in hindsight, seeing where Azula's story arc goes, I think it does make a lot more sense um, 
that her character acts the way that she does in that episode than it did for me on my first viewing. Um, and yeah, and then just a couple, I'm trying to like think of which ones they are, but like sometimes I'll just pull it up. I have an Amazon Prime account and it's on there and I'll pull it up and I'll just kind of flip through until I see one that like it was like, oh yeah, that's especially funny. You're like, oh, that was really good. And I'll just kind of watch an episode here and there. But um, yeah, I totally, totally love the show. I just recently went to a writer's conference um, where I was um, a guest agent for the conference and I taught a couple of classes and one of one of the classes that I taught there was on um, how to emotionally engage people with your fiction and the class was centered on character development because that's what I believe is the key way to um, get an emotional reaction from your readers in this case but I used Zuko's redemption arc as a illustration in the class of you know how to really get people emotionally invested because as we all know uh that really worked for me personally (laughs) (laughs) I don't know of a single person it doesn't work for to be honest Mm. like I even from his first appearance even though he is your season one antagonist you just end up being really sympathetic with him for multiple reasons and I think it's just masterfully done because it's really hard to get people on board with an antagonist immediately unless they're super sexy and these are all kids and that would be right. weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I was recently listening to uh, Kevin Smith, the director, has a bunch of podcasts. One of them is nerd-centric. Formerly it was called Fat Man on Batman, but they just changed it to Fat Man Beyond because he lost a bunch of weight. And... Um, <laughs> He had a heart attack, so he he lost like 50 pounds. Anyways, um, his co-host is a guy named Mark Bernardin, who is terrific at writing out loud, like when they're bantering back and forth. Uh, it's just really enjoyable, especially if it's a franchise that they're talking about that you give a crap about. Mark is especially sold on this, and he also highlighted the redemption arc of Zuko. Like, it's a widely accepted, like, high watermark of, or high bar, I guess, of, of that of being able to do that. Mm-hmm. I really think it's it's basically flawlessly executed. You know, yeah. the, the show as a whole has some flaws that are minor. Um, I think it's a really accomplished show overall. You know, but there are things that I think they could have improved on or changed. But I really think the Zuko storyline is pretty flawless. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I think because of all the books, my favorite is book three. So mm-hmm. that's the one I tend to rewatch episodes from the most, including the um, the Day of Black Sun two parter, mm-hmm. which even though like it it pays off so well because it's like after I don't know how many seasons of build up to Zuko finally confronting and then leaving his father, mm-hmm. um, it's just like if I just need that like quick emotional hit, <laughs> I tend to just watch that part over again. Also, like. I don't remember exactly what our opinion was on the headband, but that is also an episode that I really like. <laughs> I thought it was delightful. I didn't think it was like emotionally significant, but I thought no, it was like No, it's a... not. I just think it's cute. Yeah. <laughs> is but that the one where he goes to the Fire Nation school? Yeah. And then they yes. all have the dance? Okay. Yep. I was like, In wait, what Flamio is that one? Hotman. Yes. That's that Flamio one. And Hotman. And beard. And Katara pretends to be his mom. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> What uh, was her Pippin name? Like, or something? It was like Mrs. It was oh, like no, Wang Sapphire Fire. Wang. Wang, Fire. Sa- Wang. It's Fire. like no, Wang Fire and Sapphire Fire. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just 
show is so good. <laughs> I was trying to think of the one from when they they were trying to get into maybe it was Bossing Say or uh, uh, Omashu, whatever that they made up like an, another alias that was Pippin Paddlecopsalopicus or something like that. Oh, it was yeah, like it's really like, Greek they're sounding. They're getting into Omashu and he's and like yeah, nobody oh, messes it up. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. They all say it flawlessly. <laughs> that is so true. So good. So what about you guys? How was the experience of having me watch this show for the first time? Um, it was a giant, I told you so, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it really, there was a lot of that, which was all, always nice. I really enjoyed being able to just give you a look through the camera like, mm-hmm, yeah, bitch, this is fucking Katara, and she's you, and you're her, and deal with it. Oh. <sighs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I always love kind of when people watch Avatar for the first time and their emotional reactions to it. It is actually always delightful, even if it is. I'm not going through with it the way I did with Kelly. Like, even sometimes, like, my friends on Twitter who, for some reason, didn't watch it all those years ago are encountering it for the first time, and when they talk about their own emotional reactions to the show, I'm always like, yay! Because it's something that I love so much to see other people, like, really appreciating the show as well, I right. think is, is really gratifying in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I definitely have never watched it analytically like this before. I mean, I don't typically do that with a lot of things. A, a little bit more the older that I get, but, like, this was definitely a show that I just kind of glued my face to the screen the first time through and was like just give mainline it I want all of it now and show me all the you know moves and the bending and plot twists or whatever it is I just want all of it right now all in one thing um breaking it up like this was a lot more helpful for uh analyzing it and I definitely realized a few things like I guess things that I knew about myself in terms of what I like in fiction but I didn't know them in so many words like my favorite episode is the one where Toph breaks out of that metal cage and suddenly she's a metal bender. She's the only one. And it's not just because it's awesome, but it's also because I am a sucker for leveling up. Like, yeah. in any, anything, like the, we were, before we started talking, we were talking about, uh, before we started recording, we started talking about uh, video games we're playing and the one I'm on, uh, XCOM, is all just leveling up. That's the whole game, which is exactly why I like it. Um, and when we get to Korra without giving away a lot there's all of society has sort of leveled up and when you get to see what metal bending has kind of become my biggest regret is that i didn't get to see every level up along the way like oh yeah from you know a to z sure that's great but i want to see each little like lowercase letter in between and try and figure out i mean i think it makes sense in terms of, I mean, again, we can talk about it when we, when we do Korra, but right. the world is set 60 years in the future. Um, and if you think about the technological advances that our own society has come up with in the past 60 years, I think it does make sense to see how much technology has advanced in what we might consider a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Korra is an interesting show. I definitely think, not to give anything away plot wise but I do think execution wise it is far less cohesive than Avatar mm-hmm. um, so but I there's still things I really love it about it and obviously it, it's interesting to talk about 
in the context of Avatar and because I only watched Korra after I'd seen Avatar. There are people who actually watch Korra first and I'm always curious what that perspective is going to be. Yeah, like. me too. Because mm-hmm. I feel like we've mentioned this before but maybe this could become one of those like Doctor Who things where it's more about who was the Doctor when you started watching? Like who mm. was the... Who is your Avatar, your first one, you know? I mean, like, I don't want to to pick because obviously you're going to have a soft spot for your first and also just because they're two different shows in general I think that Avatar because both Kelly and I work in book publishing Avatar is really what we would call middle grade Mm -hmm. something that appeals to like we'll say 10 to 14 year olds that's kind of the age range of that sort of storytelling like the early Harry Potter books are considered middle grade but Korra is definitely YA Korra has a lot of the tropes of YA. It has a lot of the emotional parts about being an older teenager. Um, It has a lot of the love stuff, like the romantic stuff that comes with being a teenager. And I think a lot of that is... (laughs) I wouldn't say it's necessarily handled or executed in a way that I personally like, but I think that it is also incredibly realistic how a lot of it is done. So I think, you know, there are arguments to be made. There are things I personally don't like about it, but there are also things that I'm like, oh, yeah, I can see why. Yeah. 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 So this is actually, we've kind of naturally segued to Korra, so let's talk about that for a minute. We are going to be doing um, episode recaps and discussions of Legends of Korra, Um, and so that is coming to you in the very near future. We're working right now on getting our schedules down and how many episodes we're going to record per uh, podcast episode and all that good stuff. Um, I have not watched it yet. I'm going to be doing the same thing that I did with Avatar, which is only watch it at the assigned times and not cheat. I can't cheat believe you didn't go cheat. Ahead. I did. I swear to God, I didn't. And this really is amazing. There was that one time when I accidentally watched ahead because mm-hmm. Amazon Prime had right, the, right. like they had it split in two or one or something. So there was that one time that I accidentally watched ahead, but I never deliberately watched ahead. And I am a Netflix cheat. I am somebody who has very low impulse control. And, um, you know, especially when it like automatically cues up the next episode, like you have to actively stop it from going. Right. Uh, and it was hard for me, but I was committed to this project and I did a great job. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Good for you, Cal. You did Yay. it. Patting yourself on the back. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, uh, I'll be doing the same thing for Korra. Um, I do know more spoilers about Korra than I did about Avatar. I don't think there's anything crucial. Um, I know the final shot, because it was plastered all over the internet when that show ended. So that final that final image, that final sequence and a little bit about how fans interpret that final sequence I know. Um, And I know that Toph is in it and I know that she has children but I don't know who they are and I don't know if she's like a one-off in an episode or if she's in it in a more regular capacity. Um... And I think that might be it. Is Korra a water? No, she's from she's the, the Avatar. She, yeah, she's the Avatar, she's from, but she's from yeah, from the Water Tribe. The yeah. Water Tribe. Yeah. So those are the things I know about the show, which I think is more than I knew about Avatar going in. Um, but of those things, I think 
I, I don't think I know anything more significant about the plots or the the ins and outs of the show really other than those things um, and I will do my best to remain unspoiled for any future things but I'm pretty excited in general I know that it that, that people do think it is more flawed than Avatar was um, I don't know why they feel that necessarily I'm sure I'll find out um, but I do know that the reception is different uh, than it was for Avatar, not in a bad way, but just that I think Avatar was such a high bar that people felt like Korra had a lot to live up to, and while it had certain strengths, it may not have necessarily... Uh... I think part of some of the flaws of the storytelling in Korra had to do with the studio, because they yeah. did not give Korra more than six episodes for the first season. Oh. Um, or like 12. It was a mini series. So unlike Avatar, which they knew they had three seasons to tell the entire story, they were basically told by Nickelodeon you can have a mini series about the next Avatar. And they really did not like the fact that she was a girl. Is that really? true? It is true. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And of course, the reception for Korra, the first season of Korra, was received actually very well. I watched it, that I did watch week by week as it was coming out. And boy, was that an emotional ro- roller coaster, let me tell you. Um, and it was like we all knew it was going to do well because Avatar did so well and it has such a loyal fan base. But more than that, I'm sure new kids would find it anyway. And it, because it's a cool idea, it's a cool concept, like, why not? So after that, they did greenlight three more seasons of Korra. Um, But unlike Avatar, which is clearly like an act one, act two, and an act three of a story, Korra is not designed that way. It's a little more meandering. It's a little bit more just, not really episodic, but it's like each season is a companion story. So it's not one Mm -hmm. overarching narrative. Each season has a complete arc. So it's not... It's really more companions stories in a universe with the same characters. So, mm-hmm. at book related terms, it's like the um, the Graceling books by Kristen Kishore. It's the same universe, con- complete story in each book. So mm-hmm. that's really what Korra is. So, like structurally, it's different. Um, but yeah, I honestly think if they had had if they had been told you have this much space to tell a story from the start, I think it would have been different. Absolutely. Because yeah, and then it got greenlit like halfway through the first s- season of Korra because they were a- mm. as they were airing Korra. Of course, it had such great reception, so they were allowed to create the rest of the show, but like needed to get it out on time, and therefore, I think you can definitely tell in season two. <laughs> so, like this, I-, I know JJ hasn't watched it, so we're not going to talk about it that much. But I have watched The Dragon Prince. Me too. Um, I, haven't, I haven't watched Korra, but I did go ahead and watch The Dragon Prince. And maybe someday that will be like the third part of our podcast. It would be really fun to go through and do all of these, you know, tangentially related shows from these creators. Um, but since we have no plans to officially do it right now, I went ahead and watched it. And <laughs> it's only like nine episodes. It's nine. Um, exactly. It's short, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And it does feel like they don't. It feels like there's some pacing issues that could be a result of the studio not knowing how much space overall they're going to get to tell this story. And they kind of like end it in a way that if you never get any more, it could be sort of satisfying to end there. But also you 
do know that they probably have a bigger story in mind. But I think they would have told that story differently if they knew they had that time. Because I Mm -hmm. think there's a lot of issues in those nine episodes that probably wasn't, that seemed like it was a product of a limited time and not that they couldn't have worked out those story issues. You know what I mean? So it sounds like... I'm I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Before we get too far away from Korra, we didn't say the name of the podcast. Any way that we can get away from the Garrison Keeler vaguely related name of, you know, like hashtag me too, you know. I feel like we should just keep it Earth Kingdom Radio, because it's Earth Kingdom Radio on iTunes. That's what it is, because we couldn't use Prairie Home Companion there. So it's labeled Earth Kingdom Radio. Yeah, it's just called Earth Kingdom Radio, and then we call it Prairie Home Companion for Avatar. In the intro. But I can just just say, welcome to Earth Kingdom Radio in the intro. That's I think that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. That works for me. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yay, we figured a thing out on the air. Do we have Whatever, relatable. (laughs) super relatable um do we have to talk about the movie um we have to at least tell the story of us attempting to watch the movie um and and to our listeners i just want to say uh because we had it was such a disastrous clusterfuck Mm. uh experience um and we didn't even actually finish it all the way so as a consolation prize, I tried to I went and dug up the pilot, the unaired pilot to Avatar: The Last Airbender, um, and we watched that. And we're going to talk about the movie first, and then you know, as a way to soften the blow of the movie, we'll talk about the pilot because that's happier news. Cleanse our palates. Yes, exactly. Um, okay, so we record this podcast from three different states, and. I was traveling to Chicago last summer for a conference, which is where Mike lives. And so we decided, since both Mike and I will be in the same place, um, let's get together and we'll uh, connect with JJ online and we'll all watch the movie of Avatar The Last Airbender together and record kind of our live commentary of it. So not really a recap, not really a recap the way we usually recap the show, but we were just kind of had the mics going while we watched it and talked about it. Um, none of us were sober. Oh, no. God, no, time. we weren't. <laughs> very, very, very not sober, uh, because otherwise I don't think we could have borne it. Um, and we ended up, we had a bunch of technical difficulties. and So many. We, we had screen sharing because we didn't all want to pay and waste our money for individual copies of the movie so like I rented it and then we downloaded some screen sharing app or they could access my screen and you know whatever but it was nonsense but we had um, microphone issues and so somehow during our commentary the audio of the show was also getting picked up on the mic and so we never released that episode for you because it was just obnoxious you couldn't distinguish any sound clearly did you guys listen to it? I tried and I didn't get through it and because yeah, it, was, mean, it was just me going, what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck, the right. whole time. But with slurred words, because I was not sober. <laughs> we were we were really shit-faced, to be it's honest. Yeah. And I actually think that because you, Kelly and Mike were together in the same space, but only watching on Kelly's computer, which had one headphone jack, and so they were sharing one headphone each of the it same was so pair. so 
Um, and so there was by that. the end of the by the end of the movie, I remember that. So you remember the um, I forget what episode it is, but there's an episode of the show where Katara like makes like she's gonna get tickets to a thing. Oh, it was the wrestling episode, I think. Um, she's gonna get tickets to this WrestleMania thing by flirting with these boys down an alleyway, and the next time we see them, they're just frozen to the wall, like horizontally mm-hmm. sticking, mm-hmm. like their heads are pointed at each other. That was me and Kelly's like positioning on her on her hotel bed by the end of it like the tops of our heads were facing each other just to keep us close to the middle where like the yeah. microphone and the headphones and whatever was i um yeah. i brought so first off i keep thinking that like if kelly had just come to my apartment and we had done this so much easier it would have been so much easier the problem was Probably. that the, the hotel internet just wasn't cooperating at all um, but I made sure to bring, like, I had a Chromecast just in case. I had, like, all the wires. I literally brought with soundproofing foam in that <laughs> bag full of pastries. Um, the microphone, the arm that it mounts to. I brought with everything I could think of. And it's still, we still fucked everything up. Um, it's and fine. Then, Nobody needs to hear our riff tracks, our incredibly drunk riff right. tracks of this really terrible movie. Yes. I, so um, I- go ahead. No, you go. I was just going to say that I I did listen to it again all the way through, and I was thinking the only real salvageable stuff is, like, us bitching about the name changes. Like, I feel like I'm going to put together, like, a a reel uh, of just us, like, freaking out about, like, Ong, the Avatar, what the fuck, Iro? Like, there's a lot of that that I can actually be heard. Um, the rest of our commentary is really garbled, though. Yeah. So maybe at the end of this, or maybe I'll put it up separately. Yeah. So now that we've set the scene for you, I guess yeah. <laughs> my reactions to the movie, <laughs> um, it was as bad as JJ and Mike told me that it would be, which I didn't think was possible because they told, like, they were really hammering home how bad, how bad it is. is. It's terrible. It's real bad. Um, I do remember in the beginning, before I was completely intoxicated, but only like a little intoxicated, I do remember just saying over and over again, everybody is so white. So yeah, I did say white. that a lot. <laughs> because Katara and Aang and Sokka are all played by white actors. And don't they call him Soka? Or do yeah, they just Soka. Make that up? Yeah, they say Ong. And Soka. <laughs> and Iro and the Avatar so, and so whatever the like, fuck else. So I think, terrible. I think I said that night that in, quote, the defense of the movie, not that any of it is really defensible except maybe some of the special effects, um, it's that if you were to actually pronounce it the way it is spelled in the show and you were to pronounce it with the pronunciation, it would be Iro. It would be Ong. It would be Soka. It would be Soka. But... That's not the what we are used to, and therefore we're just like, what the actual fuck? <laughs> like, well, and there's also an element of like, like I don't know if you've ever been uh, in like a, uh, you had like a Spanish class with someone, and you say a word in Spanish outside of the class, and then they pr- they correct your um, pronunciation, roll your R's, and it's like, yeah, I mean, like that is correct, but I'm not there. Okay, right it's like now. saying Notre Dame. Okay, like we all know it's Notre Dame. Okay, but right, it's like, not. It's Notre Dame. <laughs> like, when I'm in. France, I will say Notre Dame, or, you know, like, I'll say it however you want me to. 
But here, it's like, you know, also, it didn't help that they were so white, and then suddenly, like, overcompensating with the names. Like, they swung that pendulum way the wrong way and then tried to bring it back, failingly. I can't remember any details except how bad it was, and that that it was pretty much just season one. And... Mm -hmm. It was. um, And that... Yeah, that it, I mean, it was just, it was just terrible. And we didn't finish. We truly didn't. We, we got to the end and we were having so many technical difficulties. And at some point I was just like, I don't care. <laughs> the, I the think screen, we were close. We were close, we were close. to the end. We were. Uh, so Kelly's computer has like a small screen. It was like a 15 inch or something. The laptop was, you brought. The one I had back then was an 11 inch. It was tiny. Okay, right. So not only were we... Were we watching it on a small screen? But the app that we were sharing it with, with JJ, to watch it at the same time, um, made it so we had to put it in an even smaller window that we couldn't, <laughs> like, it couldn't even take up the whole 11-inch screen. And the sound was too quiet, which is why we cranked it up, which is why it got into the microphone, which is why we, you know, it's garbage recording. But it was just, like, one thing after another. And then by the end of it, um, Kelly's computer froze, or the website did or something, so JJ was just narrating to us what was happening on her end because <laughs> it kept right. playing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. But because Kelly opened the app that shared it, we were technically in control, even though JJ was like, yeah, it signed you guys out. I'm just watching a movie alone now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, it was a disaster. And, and I mean, I can't remember m- many details at all, except that it was bad. And that I was horrified by how bad it was. And, um... To be honest, I think that's a very common reaction. Because even I, when I saw... Because I didn't see it in the theater. um, But afterwards, and everybody had said it was bad. And I was like, well, okay, but how bad could it possibly be? And then I watched it, and I was like, oh, oh no. (laughs) It is that bad. And I, I honestly think that's a common reaction. Everyone's like, but how bad could it be, really? It could be really bad. In fact, yeah. worse than you think. Um, I had some friends, I think I mentioned this when we watched it. I don't know if I mentioned it on any other episode, but I had some friends who got advanced tickets to go see the movie before it was finished. So not all the special effects were there. Oh, no. So imagine that movie, but minus the special effects. Like, just a complete shit show top to bottom. And when they came back, I was like, I was, like, so psyched to hear about it. I was like, how was it? Tell me everything. They were like, no, no, no. God, you don't, they didn't do what you wanted at all. <laughs> it would be, like, another three months before I saw it and realized, oh, God, they were right. I mean, so, I would okay. be so interested in seeing, like, a literal breakdown of how badly this movie fails on absolutely every single level from everything from like the casting was wrong the dialogue was stilted the actual like camera work was just i was like oh my god everything about this movie is bad it was also i remember like visually it was so like blue and dark um (laughs) in like tones and avatar is such a colorful show and i know that it's mostly the first season so they're taking place in the northern water tribes and it's all you know ice and all of that but it was just such a like just tonally all that levity that's in the show and all of the brightness and the humor that's in the show is just absent 
the humor is definitely the what what is missing, especially in the character of Aang or Ong in the movie. And Sokka. Yeah. Sokka. Sokka in that movie acted like a cold-blooded killer. Like, <laughs> at some point, Katara's like, what would you do if the Fire Nation, like, took me? I'd kill them all. <laughs> all right. I guess that's a way to go. What happened to the meat and sarcasm guy? <laughs> right? Where'd that guy go? I mean, I love shopping. No. I could not take him seriously because he was also one of the vampires from Twilight. So it was just like, like I think he was, I can't remember because I've only, only ever watched like the first and last Twilight movies. The same as the books. I only read the first and last Twilight books. I don't know who any of the vampires are, but I like literally couldn't take <laughs> this seriously. I was like, I don't, I don't, I can't. I do remember thinking that poor Dev Patel is in yeah. a much better movie than like everybody else. <laughs> it's true. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I no. Go, go ahead. ahead. I was just gonna say uh, there's an episode of the JV Club, uh, Janet Varney's podcast, where they interview Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Kanisco, and they talk a little bit about how little input they actually a- ended up having on the movie, which is why it wound up the way it did. It's worth yeah. listening to. If you're interested. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think that's all we have to say about that. Um, Moving on. I don't have anything to add. It was horrendous. Uh, I'm sad that I watched it. Um, (laughs) But um, we also still have the pilot or test pilot to discuss, but also um, the announcement about the live avatar remake right which i so, feel uh, like i was Hello? just gonna say the go ahead go ahead kelly no go. you nope i did it twice already you go <laughs> um yeah so the the news about the remake is it gonna be on netflix is that yeah right? yeah yep and i am really curious to hear each of your thoughts on that news because okay. i have thoughts so I want to back up just a little bit. I don't think I've told either of you this story before, but um, it ties in slightly to the announcement of their uh, doing a live action show. So a million years ago when I graduated college, uh, I went on a trip to Amsterdam. Uh, and while I was there on my last night, or it was our last morning or something, um, I got up really early. Um, I went downstairs in the hostel to the, where the computers were to check my email. Um, I lit up my last joint of purple haze, totally legal there. Um, (laughs) I put on my headphones. The sun was just coming up. Like, I saw the sunrise. I was up really early for some reason. And I had brought with... At this point, I was listening to music from... My MP3 player was my PSP. Like, the old Mm, PlayStation Game Boy. Yep, yep. Um, And I loaded it with albums that I was like, I need to like these albums, but I don't know them yet. So... One of them was David Bowie's Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. And as the smoke is hitting me and the sun is coming up, the music is rolling in, and I'm finally feeling like, I get it. I get what people talk about when they when they rave about this album, right? And then I check my email, and I see uh, on one of the entertainment things I subscribe to, holy shit, they're making a live-action Avatar movie. Holy shit. This is like a weirdly defining moment for me, because I'm like... I'm literally falling in love with David Bowie for the first time. 
I'm in another country that's gorgeous. I had a great trip. The sun is coming up. The atmosphere is perfect. And this thing that I care about so much is getting made into a live action thing. And I was the last, probably the very last fan of um, M. Night Shyamalan by that point. I was like his very (laughs) last defender. And everybody else had jumped ship after like Lady in the Water or something. And I was like, I jumped ship after Signs. So. Did you? Yeah, I think everybody did. I kept going. I was like, nope, I'm sticking on with this till the wheels fall off and then Avatar happened and then wheels fucking The wheels came off. Yeah, so fast forward to uh, present day when I'm cleaning my apartment and playing music. I have a small vinyl collection and I put on my Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars album and I sit down to read my... I swear to God, I swear to God, I sit down to check my phone and it's like, hey, guess what, asshole, this again. And I was like, uh, are they going to get it right this time? Like, how how is it going to work? And then I read, it's going to, you know, the show creators are going to be there. They're going to be doing all the casting, no whitewashing, none of that bullshit. Like, so I'm hoping that I did not somehow jinx it a second time around. <laughs> well, we all know who to blame. If yeah, it's yeah, all on me, guys. Me and David, David Bowie, Bowie. And he's gone. Yeah, right. Yeah. True. That's amazing. That's right. So I, great. That happened, and I was like, "What is the <laughs> world right now?" Time is just a flat circle. That's really what it is. It really, it's true. really is. It's true. So you're excited about it? I am. Um, if only because, first off, I think it'll give them an opportunity to not just wipe the slate clean from the movie but there are little things about the show that needed fixing the lion turtle being Bullshit. i feel like yeah, it's number one. one on that list um so they'll get to you know retread and fix up what they already did but i'm also optimistic that with the dragon first it was the dragon prince and then they announced um the avatar live action i'm thinking that those were stepping stones like they made the deal with uh, the dragon. It's Aaron Ehas and that other guy, John mm-hmm. Car- Carlo Volpe, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think he also did Voltron. I think you're right. Um, anyways, I-, I feel like that was like the gateway drug. Like you know, uh, people from that kingdom came over and introduced themselves, and they were like, "Oh yeah, here, welcome to Netflix. Bring your friends." And then suddenly we've got a live action Avatar thing, and I'm hoping, hoping. That we also way the hell down the line do get a live action Korra show because I would also. I enjoy actually that. would be more curious about a live action Korra than a live action Avatar: The Last Airbender. Personally, yeah, I think me there's. Too. I think on film it would look cooler to have the world that Korra is set in translated to the. And I also think you could. Fix oh, you're right. A lot of the problems, pacing wise, that Korra had, a lot of the storytelling mm-hmm. problems that they had issues with. I think you could definitely fix that in a live-action version of Korra. But, I don't know, I have mixed feelings about the live-action. Kelly, why don't you go ahead and and give your opinion? I am not excited. I I don't like it. Well, so let's get this out of the way. Um, In case you haven't learned anything about me over your year of listening to this podcast, I hate change. And... (laughs) I can admit that about myself. Um, and so just immediately my my first impulse reaction is to be like, no, no, no. Um, but if I can push past that, because change is inevitable, uh, and examine it a little, I just don't 
understand why. Because I think that at the time the movie, when it was going to be made, kind of made sense. There, There's always this um, translating things to the big screen for movies is kind of like a rite of passage for a lot of properties. It made sense at the time, like big blockbuster fantasy series were really big. Um, and I understand why they made that decision. But now to do another television series of a show that was pretty close to not perfect it is flawed but it is complete and there's nothing that drastically needs reinterpretation like you could certainly fix things and smooth things out but I don't feel that there's anything that Avatar didn't say. I feel like it said everything that it needed to say and it left all of its characters in the appropriate places and I didn't come away with any questions or feeling like I needed to know more. And so to just rehash that entire story in a slightly different format just seems redundant to me. I don't see a reason for it. I'm sure that the special effects will look amazing. I'm sure that you know, the opportunity to cast Asian actors would be phenomenal. I'm sure that they'll do a lot of really interesting, not interesting, I don't think they'll do a lot of interesting things with it is my whole problem. I'm sure that it would be, <laughs> I'm sure that it would be an impressive um, achievement, but I don't feel like there's, like, why? I don't know. I'm just left with, like, why Avatar was complete yeah. and said and did what it needed to say and do. I, I'm also of the of the similar opinion about the live action. Like, as excited as I am that Brian Knitzko and, you know, Michael Dante DiMartino are involved, I was kind of like, okay, but... Here's the other thing. The medium of animation is incredibly flexible, and it allows for so much of the humor in the original show that you just... It doesn't literally does not translate to live action without looking weird. So a lot of what I fear from a live action remake of Avatar would be that that charm that I found in that show would be gone. That's what yeah. I'm most worried about. I am worried about. I mean, there there are different reasons why I think you could probably do it, and you know, I I admire the effort, but I personally am a little hesitant on it in that way. Like I'm just mixed feelings because so much of what I found the charm of the original Avatar was in fact tied up to the fact that it was animated. Um, yeah. yeah, like what's that scene with Aang when he's like, he, like there's a pastry or something? And oh, there's like, a custard. Yeah, he's animated all. You know, or like, like the that scene where never... Sokka's tripping balls. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> cactus Sokka. <laughs> yeah, like, big friendly mushroom. You can't do that in a live action. I mean, you could, but it would just be, you know. And there are other literal things, like other things that I just. Don't want to see whole... in face stealer. Do you want yeah. to see that in live action? No, I don't. <laughs> no, never, never. Well, then there's that whole episode too where Aang is um, stressed about 
the upcoming battle with the Fire Lord, and he keeps <laughs> imagining it in different animation styles. Yeah. Like, you get, uh-huh. like, Dragon Ball Z version and the other version, and it's, like, the whole joke is that the animation is different. Yeah. I mean, there's so much... I, I do kind of want them to do a live-action Korra, because I definitely think I that a live-action Korra, I would absolutely be interested in watching. Um, but I don't know. There's something about the original version of Avatar The Last Airbender that I'm kind of like, no, I don't know if I need to see this played with real actors. Then again, I said the same thing about the remake of Anne of Green Gables. Um, <laughs> I won't watch it. You can it. see the parallels. I won't I watch it. noped out of the first episode where they actually show the emotional abuse that is what I heard. I'm out. I was like, no. Yes, I know that she had a horrible childhood and she was hor- probably horribly abused, but I also just didn't need to see that. Like, no. But I've also heard that it has kind of gone in its own direction. Mm-hmm. That it is not really so. It's like it's its own universe in some ways, and so I do respect that, even though I probably won't watch it still sorry Anne of Anne with an e fans but i was just like no i'm also really attached to the one from the 80s with megan follows yeah. so there's like that version i'm just like oh but <laughs> yeah i just feel like i i don't understand what a new avatar is gonna say and do and i feel that way about a lot of remakes i feel like oh same you know i feel like remakes in general are sometimes just money grabs and I don't think this is a money grab I think that the people that involved are really passionate and you know I I think there's a lot more creative impulses driving this project than just let's make a ton of money but at the end of the day I just don't see the reason why why Uh, I don't know so I'm not psyched it could be really good and maybe I'll be back here in the future having watched it and will uh, eat my words, but you guys are all very used to that because that's the whole format of this podcast. Uh, but... <laughs> we, we batted around the title, Kelly Eats Words. <laughs> mm, it's true. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not big that on, into it. I'm not big on remakes either. It's very rare that a remake I like better than the original it can happen. I'm not saying it doesn't, I think. But I just, I was like, no. It's like, I feel like people were talking about like break the of... remake of Lord of the Rings for like Amazon. I was like, but yeah. why though? <laughs> well, that's, that's a different why. That's, they're not even going to be using the main story. No, because like, they couldn't get the rights from Christopher Right, King. exactly. That's like a, what the fuck are you doing? Like, why are we even bothering with this? Why? I with... didn't know this was a thing and I was happier a minute ago before I knew <laughs> <it was a laughs> What, you're not ready for three seasons of Tom Bombadil? Come on, that's going to be great. Um, I feel like the make or break of the Avatar show on Netflix is going to come down to, one, how charming is the cast, and mm-hmm. two, uh, the general like overall tone of it. Because if it's... Like, going back to Lord of the Rings, like before they made The Hobbit, before uh, Peter Jackson came back and did that, the... The director attached was Guillermo del Toro. I want I, I want to see his Hobbit so badly. Me fucking too. Like he he would that would have oh, it would have been, been so whimsical and and yeah, it would have not been this bloated mess that was. Exactly. That was terrible. That yeah, movie was bad. terrible. 
So I feel like if they can get the right creative people, if they can get themselves a Guillermo del Toro type who has a vision, who like visually understands it in a language that has not been, you know, because they they have the movie to look at and be like, not any not of this, this, you know, <laughs> yeah, not this. Like we, we're not using these costumes, these props, the sets, like the color palette. All of this is incorrect for what we're going for. So they at least have those as like bumpers or whatever, you know, to keep them out of the, the gutter. So I feel like, I don't know, I'm optimistic. I, I could see it could go off the rails real easily and become a why are we bothering with this kind of a thing, but I want to give it a fair shot. I don't and think it would I'm go off the rails considering the creative team. It's, it is just a question of, but why is this necessary, I guess. That's, that's honestly what it is. It's like, I'm sure it, it, this is where I am optimistic. I'm optimistic that it will probably be a good show. It's just, why? <laughs> you know, it's a fair question. In, uh, again, for me, so much of Avatar is, is the humor. So if they don't, if the, and that really, and that was the biggest fault for me oh. in the movie, was that it just wasn't funny or charming. Yeah. And had, you know, and also the other thing about Netflix is, you know, the Avatar had, however, 24 episodes per season to kind of, and so right. a lot of it was filler, but a lot of that filler was character stuff. So you really got attached to these characters and if it's Netflix, I'm sure it's a miniseries, so it's going to be 12 episodes max. You mm-hmm. know, it's not going to be any longer than that, so they have to compress yeah. a lot. And um, it's going to have a big CGI budget, so you have to wonder where are they going to cut elsewhere if a lot of the money and the budget is going to go to special effects. I don't know. Yeah, because if, even if you just think about the first season and how you would translate that, what would be the biggest plot points from season one obviously it would be them leaving the water tribe and that's a pretty big battle and then you've got yeah. um it, it it's harder because then you have to think about it i often talk about adaptations sometimes from like book to film because a lot of people always ask me they're like are you are your books going to be made into movies and i was like i don't know but if they did, I don't want them to be incredibly faithful I, because they're just two inherently different mediums. And animation and live action are also two inherently different mediums. The storytelling will be compressed in a different way, so it will it will be different, which is why I'm optimistic that it will probably be executed well, considering the creative team, but I don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need it. I don't need to add this to my collection of Avatar stuff. <laughs> fair. Yeah. I mean, that is totally fair. I, don't know. I have not watched the Dragon Prince, so I'm kind of like... <sighs> I want you to watch it because I have thoughts. <laughs> I Yeah, I have... I, I think I texted this to you, Kelly, that... I, I want to play whatever video game the female protagonist is the main character of. It would be a great video game. There's and no the, way they didn't design her with that in mind. There's no way. Because as yeah. I'm watching her... So, for anyone who's not seen it, um, there's a... It's a trio. It's uh, a prince, his little brother, and a female moon knight elf. Is that what they're... Yeah, she's an elf, yeah. Okay. She's... Uh, right. Um, and she has, everybody has really cool weapons. Everyone who has a weapon has really cool ones. And hers are this weird combination of butterfly knives, short swords, and a Swiss army knife where it sometimes transforms into 
like climbing axes and i think in the first or second episode she's like climbing a wall with those axes and i'm mm-hmm. like i just finished replaying lara croft tomb raider so someone else clearly just finished replaying this as well and then designed her whole shtick it's um yeah she's really great the voice of the prince kind of like our i guess not protagonist but one of the main characters is uh the same voice actor who plays Sokka. jack oh, um, Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like really sweet that I was like, oh, I know this voice. Yeah. <laughs> um, and a very different character, but also kind of some funny, like odd humor that is reminiscent of Sokka too. Um, yeah, I want I want you to watch it because I want to talk about it with you because I want to know if you're mad at the same things I'm mad at. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to love. I really did highly, highly enjoy it. I think there's a lot that's great, but I, I did feel frustrated. It does not feel as um, cohesive as Avatar. The world building is incredible, and it's a very different world than Avatar. Very different. Um, but it you can tell that there's a, that's a similar level of thought into the world building has happened, which is really interesting and great. And it feels like an expansive world, but there's some writing problems. <laughs> I, I, I noticed, uh, there were, well, three complaints I have are, uh, first, um, I don't love the combination of the, it's like computer animated, but also not, it's like walks this weird line that doesn't always work. It's weird. Um, Sometimes often, it does, but often those it types of things always. are used as cost-saving measures because it's faster nowadays to animate with a computer. I, yeah, I figured. Um, the other one was that it's only nine episodes, and the ninth episode, I feel like everyone who's watched it had the same experience that when it ended, you were like, "Okay, next episode," and then there wasn't one because it doesn't feel like the last episode of a season. It feels like the second to last episode of. It a feels season. like a mid-season finale. If yeah, like... it does. Um, and then the other thing, which didn't upset me but i was just like oh that's noteworthy is they really rely heavily on like narrating like you don't find out organically all the stuff that's going on the system of magic the worlds or whatever someone is just telling you like outright Mm. being like here are the seven kinds of magic and here is what they do you know like it's a little heavy-handed in that way but otherwise i really enjoyed it the characters are all great the protagonist, the antagonist, the villains, everybody is interesting. Um, some of them are different levels of interesting, some are more interesting than others, but they're all really well-drawn characters. But some of the impetus for like how the story starts, like the whole first episode, I was just like, why is this person doing that? Why are you doing that? Why are you yeah. doing that? Like That first episode is clumsy. The whole first, like the first episode is a mess. And you're yeah. just, like, it's just very like, why, why, why? Like, none of this makes any sense. Nobody would ever do these things. And yet we're all doing them. And we're just we're not going to explain why or anything else. We're just going to have everybody do totally bizarre stuff that makes no sense. And then once the story gets going later, you'll forget about it. But it's just, it's very, there's writing that's, issues. That's the similar reaction I've had from my friends, my other friends who also enjoy Avatar. And a lot of them also liked Voltron, um, which I think Giancarlo Volpe did. Um, a lot of them yeah. also admit that Voltron has a lot of flaws in terms of storytelling, but... Isn't there a girl in Voltron 
Is it Voltron? There's some popular anime out right now that there's a girl who is basically Katara just in other clothes. I'm pretty sure it is Voltron, though. Could be Voltron. I mean, I don't know. Because we're... They had the, the remake because I remember there was only one girl in the original Voltron from, like, right, the 70s. Yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, I... A lot of my friends who who enjoyed Voltron and you know watched the Dragon Prince had kind of similar criticisms that they enjoyed it, but it was like too flawed in some ways to for them to give like a wholehearted, full throated endorsement yeah. of the show. And I was kind of like, man, you know, there there are some really amazing things in the Dragon There's Prince. There's a badass deaf lady. There is a badass deaf lady who is beautifully animated. Um, and, the, and has a cool weapon. And a, an amazing translator. And the whole... I've read a lot about how they treated that character and the input that they had from the deaf community on that character. And I think really did a, a really outstanding job with that character. Um, and, and everything about that person is phenomenal and really well done. And all the characters... Like, I already have ideas in my head about who JJ's favorites are going to be. And I, like, <laughs> I want to see if I'm right. Um, you probably are because I'm predictable. They're all just really great, and um, and and just like the humor is there, and it's funny, and everybody's you know conflicted, and and does good things for bad reasons or bad things for good reasons, and you know the, there's all this gray morality. Um, so the characters are all there, like the the blueprints of what you need to make the show great really are all there i think the world is expansive and interesting um i think the characters are really great it just seems like the team doesn't necessarily know one how much time they're gonna have two possibly what their overarching story is gonna be like i kind of <laughs> i kind of get the sense that like we're not a hundred percent sure what the end game is um and also just some like writing 101 like the info dump problem and yeah. you know some other things where you're just like really <laughs> but but it, it has all the the pieces to become great and so i'm really hoping that if they get a second season that they'll be able to kind of take what they've done and, and improve on it uh, one of my very favorite moments, and this is only a spoiler insofar as it's killing a joke, but um, at one point the elf girl is trying to disguise herself as a human, so she throws on like a, what is essentially a hoodie, and she's doing her best like, quote, impression of a human, and saying all these like really ridiculous things, and my favorite one was like, she's got a Scottish accent, so it's like, oh, I love my sub-century lifespan. <laughs> <laughs> It's really funny. There's some there's some funny stuff there, and and yeah. Anyway, we're we're not talking about that show on this podcast. It's true. So not yet. Maybe someday. Uh, we can. Yeah. Let's move on to the pilot. Right. The pilot. Uh, the, un, the unaired pilot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the pilot, the unaired pilot that we watched was with the commentary of the creators over it. Um, yeah. And it was, to be honest, like plot wise, I don't remember too much what happens it's close to an existing episode of avatar that really exists but not the not the actual pilot of the show it's like it reminds me of one of the filler episodes early on like maybe in the first like four or five episodes 
Um, yeah. They've got Momo and like there's a big chase and all this stuff. Um, different voice actor for Aang. Mm-hmm. Yes. Who I'm glad they replaced. Yeah, me too. Um, that was like my number one observation, really. Well, I mean, I remember because I actually watched this pilot years ago because it came with my DVD box set and I was literally watching all of the episodes with the commentary that I could find and I remember watching it and being like oh it it's exactly it it you it watches exactly the way it is which is a rough draft yeah yeah you know it's a rough draft and you know they say that too that it is a rough draft of of the pilot before some of the concepts that solidified it was really more of a test Mm-hmm. For the studios to see if they'd get on board, and I was like, okay, it's yeah, exactly yeah, what I it feel feels like. like. <laughs> they they um, I think they use the phrase "proof of concept," which mm-hmm. I I had never seen the pilot before. I tried to track it down, and I tried to look for one without the commentary. But unless you're in Australia or England, I think those are the only two places that iTunes actually sold it that way, and it was a huge pain in the ass to try and figure out how to. Anyways, um. I mean, a few things about it that I did rewatch it this week, um, and I, again, have only seen it, you know, in the past month, I guess, is when I tracked it down, right? Yeah. Um, so, I, uh, it is a little bit more cartoony, like the animation is a little bit more uh, softer or something like that, like, you can see it a little bit in the early episodes. Remember when we were like, oh, this thing, it like sharpens up or whatever from the first episode. It's kind of like the Simpsons where, you know, the early seasons don't really look quite like it. Um, their opening thing, they did the same opening where earth, fire, symbol, mm. you know, water, all that stuff. They were different characters, like human characters um, doing them than any of the ones we knew. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there's so Zuko is it opens with um them flying on Appa and Aang is like doing stunts and scaring the hell out of everybody and then they get attacked by a fireball because Zuko is chasing them in his ship and it turns out that they're in this body of water that has the same serpent from the serpent's pass and it attacks Zuko's ship and then it like cuts to black like you see Zuko put his fists up and get ready to firebend and then like it's gone and my first reaction was like did they just kill Zuko in the fucking <laughs> pilot like this this isn't going anywhere I know that so what wh- why are we doing this and then like three minutes later you see a large rolling cart going through the gates of some Fire Nation stronghold with the head of this serpent sitting on top of it and just the head like somehow he kicked its ass cut its head off and rolled it through the gates um I don't know if there was any... There wasn't a ton of other, like, super noteworthy stuff. I do have some notes here. Just, like, things that people yelled and... uh, I don't know. JJ, did you have any stuff that you remembered specifically from it? No, not specifically. I think because I was mostly just... I wasn't actually paying attention to... (laughs) Well, no. I know what you mean, no. To the to the episode itself because I was more interested in their commentary. The I commentary, yeah. I, I I tend to listen to the commentary a little bit more simply because I I like knowing a little bit more about the behind the scenes process and the. So for me, nothing specific about the episode really stood out to me. 
as like I said, it really feels like a rough draft. It just feels like it does. These are the ideas that we had, and I don't know if you guys follow um, Brian Konitzko on any of his social media platforms, but he um, he has an Instagram account. So I follow him on Instagram, and he had posted like early, early sketches of Avatar. You know when it was when Aang was like kind of part robot. Um, oh yeah, and his glider was like a, had a little rocket yeah. thing on it, and Appa yeah. had and curly so it, Q horns. It's interesting to see where these ideas come from and what shape they took and how they took that shape. Like the process is much more interesting to me than the actual product of the pilot itself, which is exactly that. I don't know if you've actually seen pilots of any other TV shows, but they're often exactly like this. They're sort of what feel like eighty five percent of the finished product the exception being the pilot to the to the tv show sherlock which is better than the pilot to the tv show sure the actual first episode well oh i don't know if i've seen the pilot uh the pilot's about half an hour shorter and it makes so much more sense Um, and it makes sherlock seem less well dumb actually (laughs) oh there was there was one idea that i i really loved that i kind of wish they had put into this show as a whole um they wind up at this i guess it's like a big statue of an avatar with some scaffolding that momo has like a chase Mm -hmm. scene with a hawk that goes through it's really ugly cg but um to help out uh katara and Sokka, i forget what the circumstance was ang needed to go into the avatar state and to get there he literally just throws himself off of whatever he's standing on like flings himself Mm -hmm. into danger because he has to force himself to feel danger to get there like to get to the avatar state which i thought was such a like that hit me so close to home because i can't if there's one thing that i know about myself is that i am awful at pretending to care about something like i am just the fucking word like a lot of the time for me the need has to precede the knowledge so if it's something that i don't give a shit about i'm really gonna have to throw my hat over the wall to like start caring so if i'm the avatar and i need to do that like i there's only one way into the avatar state that's that's the way like Mm. fling yourself off a cliff your body will figure out the rest i guess you know yeah i don't know i just really love that i do like the way it ended up in the actual show which was that it was an emotional reaction that he couldn't control when he became really distressed yeah um but i i liked it in the pilot as a way you know because like you think about the goal of that episode or that pilot was to kind of give an overview of like, this is what the show will be like. And you, they're not going to be able to do that emotional groundwork in that single episode to get him into that state. So I think that was a cool way to showcase that skill or ability in a way that would make sense in like a single isolated viewing. Yeah. And then the other things were just small, like, uh, Zuko used his fire daggers a lot, which mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know that he did that much in the show. He also breathed fire out of his nose, which only Iroh did on only the show. Only Iroh does, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and the uh, the attack at the beginning was four firebenders pointing their fists at each other and making a fireball and launching it instead of a trebuchet, which we get in the show. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, but that's, that's that. And Sokka wound up with food at the end oh Sokka 
he's definitely my favorite. I don't know. I have, I can't say I really have a favorite character in the Avatar series. Um, but I do think about Sokka a lot because a lot of the things that he says are things that I just relate to just mm-hmm. deeply. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just loves shopping and he's indecisive and also likes meat and sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> He's boomerang guy, man. <laughs> he is. I I mean, yeah, the pilot is interesting because, like I said, it, if you, well, I grew up in LA, and so I was often around places that shot pilots for TV shows and things like that. And it's often just that it's like a workshop for a play. A lot of people just do something very quickly. Um, to basically show, as they said in the in the commentary, a proof of concept to the studio that this is could be a viable TV show. That this could, you know, this is basically the idea that we have that we want to f- be given the time and the budget and the space to be able to make. Um, so I'm gonna like, but I do sometimes think that like pilots can be better than the original show I like the pilot for Sherlock I don't know if you guys watched the BBC Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch Mm -hmm. which I loathe um, a lot for multiple reasons but in the very first episode the first episode of Sherlock is pretty good actually like I think it's probably the best episode in actually the entire show but it's 90 fucking minutes and it's 30 minutes too long and it makes Sherlock look like an (laughs) idiot only because, at least in the books, Sherlock has a cocaine problem. And they, in the original pilot of the show, Sherlock, he gets captured by the bad guy because of a relapse into a cocaine problem. Oh, and yeah, it, they don't bring his drugs in until whatever this most recent season is. Well, and they do some dumb things. I don't know. I really hate the show Sherlock for multiple reasons. But they, the so the fact that the drug issue is laid in there, and he's literally drugged as he's being captured by the bad guy as opposed to the way it actually happens in that first episode is that he just agrees to go with the bad guy oh he does doesn't yeah, he yeah he's just he like, just goes with that cab my, driver i need my need to know how like you did it I overrides hate yeah the bbc sherlock tv show for multiple reasons but i, I like the really first know? I liked the first series, like that first three episode grouping I really enjoyed. And it starts to get wackadoo and the fandom is so <laughs> toxic. And it just Stephen Moffat is just the worst. And so it's not I can't I, I gave up on it a while ago. But I did enjoy that first series. I think the first I agree. I think the first series is the best and the first episode of the first series is the best because the other two you're a mm-hmm. little bit like what the fuck? Uh, because basically the other thing is that Sherlock's deductive reasoning powers is like magic (laughs) yeah he just knows Mm -hmm. because he's Sherlock and it's the exact same problem Stephen Moffat does with every single one of his other shows is that he basically writes a Gary Stu version of himself into every single TV show so clearly the main lead character has to be the most awesome person ever and never does any of the work to show that he got to be awesome or has any emotional growth (laughs) or absolutely anything so I was just like oh god I don't know why they keep giving that man shows (laughs) 
For the same reason they keep hiring those writers from Lost. Oh God! What else those... do they do? I mean, uh, Transformers movies and oh, they did. Uh, didn't they do? Didn't at least one of them do that uh, fucking Psycho TV show? The what the hell was that called? Bates Motel. Um, yeah. Which I watched exactly one episode of because they had one of the more brutal rape slash murder scenes I've ever seen in anything, and I was like, you know what? I'm good. You're like, eh, I'm out. It's fine. I will it's never like, not be mad about Lost. <laughs> I will honestly the, always. The thing that I'm still mad about mad. it is that somehow none of the people who worked on it learned how to close since then. Like, they none of them, not even JJ. Like, that's why the second Star Wars movie was kind of such a mess because JJ was like, no, no, I only start things and then I fuck off. Because yeah, he only lasts for like to two to three seasons on a TV show. Like yep. Alias, that's the show I really loved. Alias, which I loved yeah. the first two seasons of, and then JJ fucked off, and I was like, well, well, like I would, I would not be surprised to know that I'm the only person here who loved Felicity, but I loved Felicity, <laughs> and it's like a normal show about a college girl with big hair. And the people that she's sleeping with are not sleeping with. And it, and then all of a sudden, in the final season, there's time travel. What? Really? I am like actual time actual travel? Actual time travel. So Felicity's roommate, Megan, is a witch. And she's like a what? goth. Like, she's throughout the whole show, She's she's been a witch. She's a goth witch girl, and she's got her spells and her shit, you know. But it's, like, very much like a Wicca pagan, you know goth the shit you girl see in thing. downtown Salem when you're about to get your tarot cards yeah. with, that kind and, of thing. and she's awesome she's one of the best characters in the whole show she's amazing but all of a sudden in the final season she does like a like a spell that sends them all back in time Ugh. what is this and like the ending of Dallas re- no really though and like the whole final, it was all a dream the whole final season is Felicity goes back to a moment in the show and makes a different choice and things play out differently from how they had before oh my god like, that is exactly like the last season of Lost yeah it's <laughs> I, there are a few things in my life that piss me off more like narratively than lazy writing that uses multiple realities or time travel because that's real easy to be sloppy yeah. with like and like this has no this was a show about a girl in college with big hair sleeping with two dudes and which dude she was gonna end up with like this was (laughs) there was no entry point for any magical shit to happen (laughs) in this show at all and I feel like J.J. Abrams could write a memoir that's just called, and then J.J. fucked off. Yeah, really. <laughs> and, like, Felicity's the only one who knows, so she's aware that she's traveled in time, but nobody oh, else God. knows, and so everybody else thinks that it's... I hate it's, everything about this. <laughs> it's, it's horrible. It's really horrible. So screw you, J.J. Uh, Abrams, whoever you are. He did just cast her, Felicity, that actress, in the next Star Wars, mm. but no one knows as what or why. I've started watching The Americans... I've heard that's it's, good. It's real good. <laughs> I've heard that too. <laughs> anyway, we're way off track at this We point. are, yeah. We kind of jumped the, yeah. Anyway. All right. So do we have any last minute thoughts or recap about the show, the terrible, terrible movie, uh, the pilot, Dragon Prince, any hopes, wishes uh, for Korra? I mean, I so while we were sitting here, I, I didn't do this ahead of time, but I decided to look up the actor who 
played Aang for this one episode, the pilot, and his name is Mitchell Musso. And he's been in mostly Disney shit, like Hannah Montana and or The Wizards of Waverly Place. He played Oliver on Hannah Montana, if that does anything for anyone. But most of his IMDb is stuff that starts with his name. It's Mitchell Musso, the three R's. Mitchell Musso, shout it out. Mitchell Musso, hey. Like, there's at least a half dozen more of those. Celebrate, get away, get your heart. Yeah, so that's who that guy is. Lots and lots of things from Disney and also his name. Yeah, no, I guess my only wrap-up thing that would be left would be looking forward to Korra. You know, do you guys have any predictions about my watching of that show? Because that's what we're going to do next. It's hard, I I think, because it is so disparate in some ways. Um and also because, unlike Avatar, I've only watched Korra once. And I hated season two so much, I more or less completely deleted that from my brain. So <laughs> I don't remember anything that happens in season two of Korra. Like, at all, I vaguely remember the end and that's it. Um, so, like, legit, you guys, season two is when I quit watching Korra. About halfway through season two, I was like, oh my god, I did not realize it would get this bad. Um, And because it's still Avatar, it's not, like, horrendous, okay? If we're setting the movie as the absolute lowest bar, it's not even close to the movie. It's just not good. Mm. And so I just quit watching, and then, like, halfway through the third season, everyone's like, no, you have to come back because Korra's gotten good again. And I went back to I went back in season three, and they were like, "Oh yeah, they're right." Has the best villain because he's voiced he's voiced by Henry Rollins, and it's great. Um, it's really great. It's it it is my favorite season of Korra. So it is it it is that uneven though. Like I would say, it's literally that uneven. It's like really kind of good, and then and then just dips down, and then gets really good again. <laughs> um, I think so. I think you're gonna really enjoy the character, Korra, but I think she's probably going to annoy you because in terms of, like, archetype, she's a little bit of a dumb jock. Like, she's not dumb at all, but, like... She she is. She's, like, a jock girl. Yeah, she's a jock. Um, I actually really so, love that about her in some ways, because she's so different too, from Aang. Right? Yeah, and also, it's so rare that that's the female's role, you know what I mean? Like, in anything. The, the, like, dumb jock who wants to use brute force to get through a situation. Um, I feel like if I'm picking, if I'm predicting favorites for Kelly, it's Bolin. probably... Bolin. What? Bolin. Oh, yeah, maybe Bolin. I was I was actually going to go with uh, Toph's kid. Yeah. Uh, Lin. Um, but honestly, just uh, the conjecture. same thing happened in Harry Potter in that I liked all of the adult kids the adult characters more than I liked the teen characters except for Bolin who I love right um but the actual teenagers themselves I was kind of like oh they're okay but like the generation between Aang and Korra those characters I fucking love all of them yeah those are all of of them Tenzin I love all I love them all they're all fantastic so um but the actual teenagers themselves my least favorite character and you'll probably see why very shortly is is mako (laughs) i can't stand mako like at all (laughs) 
It's too bad, too, because they named him after I the know, guy after who voiced that. Iroh. And, like, and it's like... His character model is definitely the most attractive. <laughs> Barring another he's, spoiler he's, character, but... <laughs> yeah, he's the pretty boy. I mean, and he's also a bit of a dumb jock himself, which... He's, no, he's not even really yeah, a dumb jock. He's just like a dumb pretty boy. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but Bolin I really love. I do love. And like any... I really honestly, the thing I think that Kelly would probably be the most irritated by in the show is the romance. At least on the first half of the show, yeah. Yeah. It, the romance definitely drops off after season two. And honestly, the romance is the reason I quit watching Korra. <laughs> it's the same reason I quit watching Lost. Oh. In the in in season three, when they got to having sex in the polar bear cages, I was like, and I'm out. <laughs> I forgot about that. But then, but then season four, everyone's like, oh my god, they're off the island. So of course, I have to go back. And you have watch to come it. back. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta come back. Oh God, lost. Oh God. I. Oh. Do we do a lost podcast someday? Do we have the no. stomach for that? I, I don't have the stomach or the I, no I don't want to do that no I'm not sure I could go through Lost again no, it was we're quite an do experience Orphan Black. you guys are going to watch Orphan Black and we're going to do that they should just rename Lost like Blue Balls the series it's so bad, it's so bad. I get I just I. Oh. the thing oh. is it's, it's bad because there were parts of Lost that were really good I yes. think that's what makes it bad because yes. legit parts of Lost that were just brilliant, and then you're just like, oh, though, but oh. <laughs> 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 like in Lost, I would say seasons one, two, and four are really good, and then the mm-hmm. rest is shit. Trash, trash. Oh God. Yeah. So cool. I don't have to ask what bender I am because I know I'm a water bender. <laughs> oh, there's a character in Korra who is, like, legit me. Like, I've always identified with Aang the most in the original show, but uh, Janora is, is like, me. <laughs> That's uh, Aang's granddaughter. Nice. Right? I'm not going to have a repeat Katara experience, am I? No, there's... I don't think so. I don't think there's <sighs> really a character in Korra that is... Yeah, you're off the hook, Kel. That was really emotionally distressing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I didn't enjoy it at all. That's another thing that I I learned from watching this is that I don't always know in words, like in so many words, why I think someone would like something. Like, for example, Kelly liking Avatar. I didn't, I honestly didn't put that together as like, oh, this person is Kelly or is just like her or whatever. It was just like, it was just a vibe. Like, and that happens to me kind of a lot. I mean... I, it was like a someone played a piano note in my head, and then the next time I heard Kelly talking, I was like, oh, that's that same fucking note, you know? Mm. And I can't always put it into words, which is definitely something that I realized from... I mean, this show as a whole, because I don't know how you feel about this, JJ, or even Kelly at this point, but pitching this show to other people is a fucking weirdly tough sell for such a good easy to watch thing you guys were trying to do that in our first ever recording and you like couldn't yeah it's like i mean it's a, it's a it's a traditional epic fantasy story really set in an asian inspired universe with elemental magic i mean that's yeah. really ultimately what it boils down to if you like harry potter honestly it, it's like if you were to try to pitch harry potter it's going to be it's about a boy who goes to wizarding school 
but that does yeah. not encompass all of Harry Potter. But the thing about Avatar that is great is that it's so archetypally iconic. And I, that was the reason I thought Kelly would like the show, because she likes archetypes, because I like archetypes. So both of us would twig onto that pretty quickly. But, like, Avatar itself is its own, what we call in publishing, a comp. People compare their writing to Avatar because it is its own culturally oh. distinct mm-hmm. thing. I compare my... I learned that. The, I, I comp Avatar The Last Airbender to the series I'm writing now uh, because it is also a world that is based in Asia or a fantasy version of Asia with elemental magic in it. It's not exactly bending, but it is very much inspired by Avatar and Sailor Moon, which was the other one, um, and, and also Dragon Age. But that's just because I've been playing a lot of Dragon Age. So, um, <laughs> But like, it, it, it's a distinct cultural property that people comp to because it is that good. It's a, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like, it's a really the closest comparison you can make to anything really for Avatar is that it's kind of like Harry Potter, sort of. Kind, yeah. yeah, kind of. Well, it's like with Saga. I remember you telling me to read Saga and you were like, I can't, oh, yeah. I can't tell you why. <laughs> See, now right. that is something that is but absolutely impossible it. to pitch. Yeah. Yes. Because I'm also, I love Saga as well. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to <laughs> pitch this to other people. Right. It's so good, though, and I'm, like, afraid of the next volume, which has been shipped, and so it's supposed to arrive on my doorstep tomorrow. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I uh, I used the Hoopla app through the library to download it onto my tablet, and it wouldn't let me until the first of this month. And I was like, it's right there! I want it! Yeah, because I read the trades. I don't read the single issues, which I know Kelly and David yeah, did for a while, and I was like, I don't know how you can do that, because, one, the tr- even the trades are we only, stopped. like, 96 <laughs> pages long. And after I, I I was like, volume eight ended, and it has that one panel of Marco hugging Goose, and I was like, okay, nothing more, uh-huh. nothing bad can happen to this family. I can't, I can't handle this anymore. Uh-huh. I'm like too afraid to read on. <laughs> In some respects, I'm too afraid. Yeah, be afraid. Damn it! Fuck y'all! <laughs> Fuck y'all! I hate you. <laughs> I know I'm supposed to be afraid, okay? I know, especially when it ends on a happy note. I know that shitty things are coming down the pike, but I know. Well, then they're taking like a year break. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, they are. They are, they announced it. I mean, I'm sure the schedule is killing them, but oh, oh god! All right. Well, but like, what else are they doing? Other Sur- projects surviving in the hellscape that is refreshing America. their creative well believe me working on a year long a year book per like a book per year schedule is fucking with my life right now so <laughs> uh, noted okay that wraps up this week's installment of the earth kingdom radio next time when we come back we will be talking about cora most likely episodes one and two but uh, don't quote me on that we'll see what happens when we get there so be sure to tune in for newbie recaps know-it-all nerdery and general squeeing all around and as always you can subscribe to us via itunes stitcher soundcloud or your podcast provider of choice or visit us at our website earthkingdomradio.com And if you like us, please rate and review when you get a chance as it helps other listeners find the podcast. 
You can follow me, Kelly, at Bookish Chick on Twitter or Instagram. You can follow me, Mike, at Robo underscore Pants on Twitter. And you can follow me, JJ, at SJ Jones. That's S-J-A-E-J-O-N-E-S on Twitter or my website, sjjones.com. Our theme music is Cattails by Kevin McLeod, and our logo was designed and created by our very own JJ. Thanks so much for listening this entire time. We've enjoyed doing this. We hope you've enjoyed hearing it. Bye! Bye! Bye. And stop. And recording. Oh, good. All right. Wait, I lost my script. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> oh. Well, <laughs> shit. Sorry. <laughs> my phone timed out and I didn't have it. Shut up. Okay, okay, okay. <sighs> Welcome. <laughs>